Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with the topic, XQC goes against OnlyFans content because he can't react to it. So XQC had a hot take on Twitter. I could be on my last leg. I could be on my last dime. I wouldn't do OnlyFans. That shit is absolute fucking brain rot. I ain't doing that. Bottom of the barrel behavior. I could be on my fucking last leg. Okay, I could be on my fucking last dime. I wouldn't fucking do OnlyFans. That shit is absolute fucking the brain rot. Okay, I ain't doing that shit. Okay. Bottom of the fucking barrel behavior, dude. So to be clear, this is a dude who has spent potentially hundreds of hours putting money into slot machines, who has admittedly lost millions of dollars gambling, who has taken gambling sponsorships for money that he doesn't need to attempt to convince other people to lose money like he did on those gambling machines, to inspire younger generations to get addicted to gambling so he can make more money, which is pretty much everyone's assessment of the true bottom of the barrel stuff because you're actively working to harm people for money. And so I think everyone clowned on him for this statement being like, who are you to say this? And of course, from my perspective, sitting around for hours on end, watching other people work hard, watching their YouTube videos, rather than making stuff yourself, what the fuck? The joke was, XUC is so against making original content because he couldn't just steal pictures of himself from other people that th he would never do this. Like it, it doesn't matter how bad his circumstances, he would never make original content. Oh, actually, well, he, he gets shit on by this creator here. They say, I'm actually not totally sure what XQC actually creates or what function he serves in society. A fair question. But XQC tweeted this out and says, crazy that this is a hot take these days. It's literally a personal choice. Keep spamming your links in the comments everywhere. No one's buying that shit. Assuming that this person criticizing him has OnlyFans. But again, look at his statement here. I could be on my last leg. I could be on my last dime. I wouldn't do OnlyFans. That shit is absolutely fucking brain rot. Like, that is more than him simply having a personal choice saying, I don't want to do OnlyFans. Perfectly fine. I don't want to do OnlyFans either. It's, it's not my, the sort of content I want to be making, right? But this is a, a very extreme way of communicating that. So I responded to him saying this. The hot take isn't that you don't want to do OnlyFans. You claimed that even if you were near death or in poverty, you'd still not do it. Calling it shit and that it is brain rot. Personally, I'd rather live and do OnlyFans. I'd rather not be in poverty and do OnlyFans. I suspect this is true of most. Basically, saying I'd rather die or be homeless than take sexual pictures of myself is an extreme take. Because understand, OnlyFans isn't you like fucking people or something. That content may exist on that, I don't know. I don't use it. People make OnlyFans of just like sexually suggested pictures, softcore stuff. You, you run the gambit on that website. You could you could put stuff on there that you'd be comfortable with. But even then, people in the comments here were like, I'd never do OnlyFans, man. Even if I, like, I they agree with XQC, I would never do it. Even if I was about to die, I would never do it. I'd rather die with my dignity. Like, I find these people to be very delusional. People who don't really understand, well, it's hard to understand unless you've gone through it, but, but what starvation feels like. The feeling of just wasting away having nothing to eat, you would be willing to do anything for food. And I'm sure this quote exists somewhere, but if, it, if it's not, I'm, I'm expressing it right now. There is no dignity in death. When you're dead, it doesn't matter how much dignity you had in life, you're dead. It doesn't matter. People are gonna be like, oh man, that, that guy, he had a lot of dignity. Oh boy. And if they do say that, they'll say it for like two weeks and that's it, they'll forget, it doesn't matter. Everyone who remembered you or knows of you will eventually be dead themselves. And what's your dignity gonna get you then? Nothing. If you have a chance to live potentially you know, decades more by taking a sexual picture of yourself on OnlyFans, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, you know? Understand, we're not talking about the actual motivations for people who do OnlyFans. 
Because clearly everyone who does OnlyFans isn't in a position where they're about to die or be homeless if they don't do OnlyFans, right? We're talking about an extreme case, talking about this hot take where I am of the position that effectively everyone alive, if put into a situation where they were about to die or the difference of sexual pictures of yourself or homelessness was your option, people would pick those sexual pictures. Effectively everyone. People would emotionally rationalize it to themselves. I don't care how your stance on literally anything. People can rationalize effectively anything to themselves with the right motivations. Even if the most religious person ever like, oh, there's nothing in the Bible that says anything about taking sexual pictures of yourself on OnlyFans. I'm not doing prostitution or something. I'm way better than those prostitutes, right? Taking XQC's original statement as just a hyperbolic way of saying, I don't like OnlyFans, fine. But his defending it as a literal take just seems insane to me. I guess people just have a hard time putting themselves in other people's shoes or considering themselves in other situations, believing that they, as they are now, and the positions that they hold would be universal to all other contexts, that you're what you're willing to do now when you're well-fed, in comfort, you're prosperous, potentially, are the exact same that they do when all those variables are removed, right? It's just not the case. People have an idealized version of themselves in their head, exactly. I often say, never say, I will never do X. Or at the very least, if you do say that, consider a shorthand for the circumstances under which I would do X are very extreme. It's like, you never eat another person, you never resort to cannibalism, but man, you're trapped on an island and eating someone's corpse's leg. If that's the difference between you living and dying, I expect a lot more people would end up doing that, right? Some people still wouldn't, maybe. But it's hard to know until you're in that situation and you're feeling yourself waste away due to a lack of food. I've never felt that before. I have no idea what I do in those circumstances. But looking at other people in the world and the lengths that they will go to avoid such feelings, it seems wrong to think of myself as like better than them or something, you know? People are using AI to make a copy of existing YouTube videos. Obviously AI requires some underlying information to make something that's quote unquote new and depending upon what you're basing it on will greatly impact how different it is from the original source material. And it turns out a lot of people want to pump out YouTube videos as fast as possible to make as much money as possible without necessarily doing any work. And of course AI, good way to do that. So Abyssoft made a video saying, exposing a content thief using AI to rip off videos. I've heard of this before, go watch the video. Premise is in the title. He's made a video, someone else has put it through AI, got the AI to dupe his you know, thumbnail and title and everything in the video effectively, but changing it in a way that it still has the same kind of meaning or that there's more errors. And then they just pump it out to YouTube. Johnny Two Cellos also released a video saying that this is something that's happened to him. So here, for example, his thumbnail has a picture of Hubert Farnsworth, a picture of Fry and the word Avenged. And so the AI has spit out a thumbnail with roughly the same design, but they changed Avenged to Requited, which is a synonym for Avenged and put Leela a different picture and Fry a different picture. So the same elements of the thumbnail, but different. The sort of stuff that you can imagine AI would do. And the videos themselves are largely nonsense and so are not doing that well on the channel. And so the videos produced by this process don't end up being that great. And so don't get that many views. But as we talked about with those AI videos that lie about actors being dead, it is possible for these videos to get some views. So this video on Cartoon Castle, the channel that's ripping off Johnny's videos, their most popular video got 30,000 views, which isn't insignificant. Obviously this process, when refined over time, is going to be 
far more efficient than actually doing the work yourself to make the content. Assuming that it does get better over time and that AI can effectively replicate an entire video, but change all the images, but still keep the same sort of uh, meaning and, and use of the original images. And at that point, like, I guess it wouldn't be copyright infringement if everything about it has been changed, but the fundamental underlying foundation of it will be exactly the same. I guess you just argue that, look, this person ripped off my video and put it through a cloning machine that changes it by 10%, that's still copyright infringement. I, I guess it would be still, right? I guess that's a lot of what the lawsuits around the like stable diffusion or that are going on right now. There's a lot of these websites that run these AI that are being sued by different artists being like, hey, this is copyright infringement. And I, I guess we'll just see what happens with those lawsuits. But yeah, so this is disgusting, like obviously disgusting and shouldn't exist. But what surprised me in Johnny's video was this. Share this video, share other videos like it, send them to streamers who can watch and share them with their audience, talk about it on social media. So obviously you can rec recognize why that would perk my ears up. The idea of a person making a video that is against AI generated content to avoid creative work, being in favor of React streamers is kind of weird, right? And I wrote this, it's not gonna get any traction because it's the video was out for too long or whatever. I can't help but see the irony. This video is against AI content farms who just want to re-upload other people's videos so they can avoid any of the actual work required to make engaging content. But you are in favor of streamers who run React content farms who just want to re-upload other people's videos so they can avoid any of the actual work required to make engaging content. AI content is a plague, but so are these React streamers. The current output of AI channels is tiny compared to React channels, and AI channels are certainly putting in more effort than React streamers, pausing a video intermittently to give their off-the-cuff remarks. It seems to suggest that you are not against pushing the work onto others in order to make a quick buck, you are against people using AI to do it. Both groups only have the goal of usurping market share away from those who do the actual work to create these works. This made possible by their exploitative process being far more efficient than the creative one that fueled the original work's development. The impact can be identical, the outcome's the same, but for you, it is exclusively the AI component that matters. Seems strange, honestly. And I get this a lot with people's statements against AI. The process, the motivations that leads to AI ripping off people's work is the exact same that leads people to react to videos and then, and then re-upload them to YouTube. The parallels are so painfully clear, but I doubt I'll get a response from this dude, but it is weird to see, right? Twitch CEO considers giving permaban streamers another chance. So honestly, this statement from the Twitch CEO didn't surprise me. Twitch CEO says they're open to giving permaban streamers another chance. The question was initially about Destiny, a streamer who was banned in 2022, and whether or not streamers who have been around since Twitch's inception could have their permaban status overturned. Nothing is truly permanent, in a way, you know? Like, obviously, circumstances can change that would see people who were previously permabanned coming back. I believe it normally says when you're banned without a specific date when you're going to be unbanned that they call it an indefinite suspension. But many people who've been banned indefinitely have come back. I'm not aware of any language from Twitch that says, ban, th this ban is permanent, we will never undo it, doesn't matter what changes, you could save the world from... A, a, an outbreak of some disease. You could, I know, become a hero of, uh, of some war or something. We would never unbear you. It doesn't matter what happens. I don't think that's a thing. And so this statement is not a surprise to me. And from a business perspective, it makes perfect sense. From a business and a, I don't know, justice kind of sense, right? A person could always eventually have done their time or do something that shows that they've made amends and, and can return fixing whatever infraction that they did or demonstrating that they won't do that kind of thing again. And that's just good for the platform to have these people back rather than potentially have them elsewhere. Then again, how many people after establishing themselves for years on another platform would come back is a separate question. But if I was Twitch, 
like every year I would have a team that would assess like all the most popular people who had been banned indefinitely and I'd say, hey, who of these people have shown that they should be unbanned or whatever, which I recognize is a little bit elitist or whatever, like, oh, you just look at the big popular people or whatever. But from a business perspective, that's what you do. You wouldn't be looking at the people who have like zero followers or whatever. You'd have some threshold. People who stream for a certain amount of time and not like bots that you've just permanent, you know. A wholesome message from Ned Luke, the voice actor for Michael in GTA 5. So I got added by Big Lion on Twitter, and he put a video underneath, which is just a 45 second video of Ned Luke, the voice actor for Michael in GTA 5. I was like, is this something related to me? Turned out, no, it was just a thing that he did on, I assume, Instagram or TikTok, I'm not sure, related to the 10 year anniversary of GTA 5. It not being about me, I was like, oh, should I do something with this? I decided to retweet it and just at Ned Luke because I saw that he himself had not posted it on Twitter. And I was like, more people should be aware that he is on Twitter and he might get some followers out of, you know, how wholesome this message is. I can give him a shout in a way. Cause it felt weird just to retweet this, to be like, hey, look at me, I've got a video of Ned Luke. So I was like, this is a wholesome message from Ned, at Ned Luke, the voice actor for Michael. All right, so we just crossed the threshold of 10 years, right? 10 freaking years of Grand Theft Auto V. I just want to give a big shout out to the fans because we all know, hashtag, the fans are the game. So thanks a lot. 10 years. Keep playing. And only what? Maybe five years of those? Or where the fuck is GTA 6? Patience, guys. It'll be worth the wait. Trust me. Five was worth the wait. Six is going to be even more worth the wait. So keep playing five. Have fun. And remember, you forget a thousand things every day. How about you make sure this is one of them? And stop firing rockets at my house. That is just such a good message. Like, it's so short, sweet, so kind, wholesome. Ending it with uh, those lines. Although, hearing those lines at the end, I now understand what Stephen Ogg says. I saw a clip of him saying that he doesn't like that Trevor doesn't really have any of those iconic lines like Michael has. Or he didn't specifically compare it to Michael, but he's like, people can't be, oh, you're, you're, you're Trevor Phillips. Or, or what have you. They don't ask him and say, hey, can you say that line? Like a lot of other popular characters have. But I thought it was very cool. And because uh, I added Ned Luke, he actually responded down below. I just hope this video doesn't reveal where they relocated me in the witness protection program. Does he know? Like, is, is that him being like, eh, eh? <laughs> or is it just coincidence? I, like, surely he knows. Surely he knows. <laughs> The five stars he put in his messages there, he puts five stars at the end of a lot of his messages, which I, I think is pretty cool. What a very tuned in response, you know? Fingers on the pulse of the fan base, what they like to hear and see. Very smart on his part, uh, very wholesome on his part. Uh, I, I was very impressed. So feel free to follow Ned Luke on Twitter if you want, guys, at Ned Luke. This is the moment that led to me becoming a voice actor for GTA 6. So some people, Ask me, how did I ultimately become a voice actor for GTA 6? How did that first start? Where was the, the, the sparks, the original impetus for that whole thing to occur? Turns out it was a video that I released, Pacifist episode 14. Uh, I'll show you the clip. For those unaware, Eye in the Sky has some interesting voice acting. Devin Weston sent me. Oh, oh, right. Uh, the helipad is on the roof. Look, Rockstar, if you need more voice actors for GTA 6, feel free to give me a call. Sure, I have no talent, but that doesn't seem like it's a deal breaker for you. And of course, uh, Rockstar, you know, they, they watch all my videos, and so they were like, ah, you know what? 
yeah, we should get Dark Viper EU for GTA 6. And uh, the rest is history. Again, I think that line only exists because they had to change like something very late in development or something and they didn't have like an actual voice actor to get in to say the line. And it was probably just someone at the office, developers themselves just putting in that voice line, you know? There's actually a video I'm gonna be making which is looking at some early writings in, uh, in an XML file that does show that that mission, Eye in the Sky, was changed quite a bit, explaining why that line is there. GTA Plus members can now play the Definitive Edition Trilogy. So this was a surprising development from Rockstar Games. GTA Plus members now get access to download and play a rotating assortment of classic Rockstar game titles, starting with Grand Theft Auto, the Trilogy, the Definitive Edition. A great game that everyone clearly loved, right? Is this really going to get more people to sign up to GTA Plus? Like, really? I guess they're trying to make their own Xbox Game Pass kind of competitor. Or rather, they're just trying to throw as much value into GTA Plus pay that subscription service is far higher, right? They just they need to get you in just once and you'll probably continue. But I, I, it's just hard to imagine this will budge the needle. Are there really people who've never played these games? Who never picked them up when they were cheap on Steam? Who are like, yeah, man, a subscription service so I can play these games that I might lose. Let's go. I mean, I think it's a an okay move on Rockstar's part. I don't think they lose anything by doing this. I'm just, I'd just be surprised if it really made a bunch of people, more, more people sign up, you know? Like, how much did the definitive edition cost? So is someone really going to be like, yeah, 60 bucks? Uh, I don't have $60 right now. A $6 a month subscription? Let's go. Saying that out loud like that, yes. There must be someone who does that. But I just don't think it's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be someone who's like, oh, you know, I'll just pay for the subscription for a month and, and check out the definitive edition that I wasn't able to purchase I didn't have 60 bucks. This sort of thing obviously can never really compete with the Xbox Game Pass because Rockstar doesn't have that many games. Xbox has hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of games. And then of course they'll buy more uh, games from other publishers where Rockstar clearly is not interested in doing that. Even if they put every single game they, they produced on GTA Plus, for one, that would probably cut into their sales of the games that are still on, uh, being sold right now. But that would be like, what, 15 games like, you know? Nowhere near as much. By the way, GTA Plus still not on PC. Yeah, so an interesting development, but not one that's gonna fundamentally change anything. Will the new YouTube AI tool revolutionize content? So AI is kind of like the new NFT in a way, where a lot of people were like, hey, yo, NFTs are gonna change the world, bruh. You've no idea. And I think in a way that one of the things that's stopping people talking about NFTs is a lot of people who are doing NFT grifts are now moving on to AI grifts. But regardless, AI clearly has functional utility. You can see, you can touch it, you can you press buttons and see it immediately. So AI is far more real than NFTs. And we're gonna be talking, looking here, at YouTube saying on Twitter, get ready to make your wildest content dreams come true. Introducing brand new AI tools from YouTube. I, I don't need to look at all this, but the first bit. Are you actually rolling? We're actually. Oh, we're rolling, okay. Yeah. They're real people. Well, let's go. Okay, so YouTube just announced this whole new set of AI and editing tools that are gonna revolutionize the platform, making our... creation easier and more fun for everybody. The aim is to unlock more creativity for more creators than ever before. The most exciting part to me is that what was announced is supposedly just the beginning. Let's get into it. Okay, first up, let's talk about DreamScreen, the new image and video generation experiment that's making its way to YouTube Shorts. Powered by amazing AI technology, DreamScreen lets you bring your imagination to life by simply typing in ideas as text prompts. It then generates super fun images and videos that you can use to set the scene. All right, let's see this in action. <laughs> oh, 
I kind of don't want to leave. So it's just a picture of him green screened with an AI generated animation behind him. Like when I look at this, I think to myself, how often in my workflow am I limited in my ability to generate images? Very rarely, but that doesn't mean that's the case with other people's workflows. If it got to a certain level of quality, it would even be useful to me. If I wanted, say, a picture of Michael and Dave in a bar together in their clothing from Prologue, to make that would take like, you know, two hours or something. In that you have to pick a bar in the game, like, because this is already using assets that exist. You change the, the outfits of the characters, then you'd record it and da da da. But if I could just type into an AI, make this for me, that would obviously save me time. But AI is nowhere close to doing that yet. And the level of control that you have when you do it yourself is something that AI just has not been able to do yet, you know? When you have absolute finite, minute control of all the tools yourself and have all the knowledge and understanding yourself, what you can create is more specific to what you want compared to if you had to explain to a machine what you want. Without the machine's ability to jack into your brain, describing the thing in your head is actually quite hard. Especially if you need to know the specific language that the AI would understand to be able to produce that thing. It's like if you met a complete stranger who has different understandings of all the words that you do, but you had to try to explain to them how to do something very specific and niche to your particular job. How frustrating would that be, you know? And that's kind of what AI is like right now. If you need something really general and easy and the minute details don't matter, AI can do it, you know? You're not saying quick and easy that the exact details don't matter, let's go. But if you want to make, say, a specific animation with a particular style or a particular bit of art with a particular style, it's a lot harder to do. It's more feasible if you understand the inner workings of whatever AI you're using and know all the exact language that it understands. But even then, a lot of it's impossible. So these AI images, I think, as they are right now, only be useful in very general contexts, which is generally not the stuff that does really well on YouTube, you know? The stuff that does well on YouTube is all specifically controlled niche. I don't think this will revolutionize YouTube as it is right now. It certainly isn't gonna revolutionize my workflow and seeing this, I'm not particularly impressed. What I'd rather is an AI that can more perfectly like crop out stuff. That's like not on a green screen. See how this guy had to use a green screen? If his AI is so fucking good, why does he need the green screen? Hmm? Like you go on TikTok and you see people who are using the AI background removal tools and it's always flickery, it's never perfect. That being made perfect would, you know, revolutionize the internet. Yeah, so I was not overly impressed by this. I won't be in real life streaming PAX Australia this year. So bad news for the 15 people who watched my previous year's PAX adventures, I am not going to be recording myself down at PAX. As I tweeted out, upon reflection, I think I'm not going to live stream PAX this year. I want to try and treat it as a bit of a vacation. So what's different about PAX this time is there was a booth that I was at last time with like my management team and stuff. I'm not even sure they're gonna have that booth. And I had like a meetup time each day at that booth, but I don't think they're letting people do that this time around. And I had to get a specific time to meet people. And they only gave me like an hour. There's gonna be one hour over the course of the three days. Not, not each day, just one hour on one day where I'm going to be officially meeting people. I will probably do an unofficial meetup or like I'll just be like, hey, I'm at this place. Or if like, you see me walking around, just be like, hey, you're that guy. And like, poke me or whatever. I haven't had a vacation in, I can't even remember when. I don't go places, I don't do stuff, I don't travel. I'm feeling a lot of like, uh, I'm not burnt out, but again, because I feel so tired all the time, like I wanna just go somewhere new and try something else. 
So I'm thinking over the time that I'm going to be there, I'll just hang out, maybe ask you guys like what I should see when I'm down there. I have heard Cold of the Lamb, the video game, is having some little event or something. And I'll just see some stuff. And then I'll come back and be like, yeah, here's the things that I did over the course of my time there. And then we'll put like, put some B-roll or something. Or maybe I'll take some pictures on occasion if there's something really interesting. But I'm not really much of a picture-taking person. Uh, I don't think the effort that was required to make all the footage for the video last year was worth how many views it got, even though I think it was a very good video. You will see what happens, but don't think I'm going to live stream it. Stop! Now that I have your attention, hit the like and subscribe button. Thank you. I wish you all the best.